Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, indeed, I am Jacob Westendorf, and I and the host of the Pick 6 podcast here on Game On Wisconsin. And before we get rolling too far into the show, here's a word from our friends at Artec Ventures. Game On Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit ArtecVentures.com for more info. Thank you to Artec Ventures for joining us and sponsoring us and making all of the things that you like possible here on Game On Wisconsin. As DZ mentions there, visit ArtecVentures.com for more. It is Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. I hope all of you that are listening to the show had a very happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, and enjoyed that Christmas present that the Packers got for all of us on Saturday afternoon, beating the Cleveland Browns 24 to 22. And I will get uh, to some of that here in in the near future. I do want to talk about uh, that game. I do want to talk about some other stuff with a few uh, different ideas here as to what exactly happened and a few different things we're going to go through. So today is going to be a, a mailbag type of episode. So thank you to everybody that submitted questions. And I appreciate that. Obviously, the the listener engagement is something that I very much appreciate about this show and our network in general is that we are uh, very open to having our listeners and people kind of contribute to the show here. So we'll get to that here in just a minute. I do want to start by addressing the news of the day. The first one is that the Jacksonville Jaguars have asked to interview Nathaniel Hackett for their head coaching position. Not surprising. Nathaniel Hackett is one of the candidates. He got an interview last year in Atlanta. He's the offensive coordinator of one of the best offenses football for the last two seasons. Guys like that get interviews. And ultimately I think he gets a job this year based on, you know, who, who the openings are. I won't be surprised if he interviews in Minnesota, if he interviews in Chicago, uh, Las Vegas for the Raiders. I think he'll be a very popular man when it comes time to start interviewing for stuff. Jacksonville obviously has some history with Hackett. He was the offensive coordinator there uh, when they went to the AFC championship game against the New England Patriots. And if not for an egregious down by contact call uh, against Miles Jack, the Jaguars may very well have played in the Super Bowl that year against the Philadelphia Eagles, a game the Eagles one shout out to my pops for that fly Eagles fly for knocking out those new England Patriots. Uh, the other bit of news from today is that Oren Burks and Mercedes Lewis have both been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, whether or not it's positive tests or close contact remains unknown at this point. Uh, but it seems likely there will be some renewed protocols at some point that maybe keep players out for five days instead of 10, but we don't know that yet. So for right now, I think any analysis, about Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings has to be taken as if those two guys are not going to play. And that includes some of the guys that were put on the COVID list yesterday, which include Ben Braden, Tippa Nalia, and uh, Amari Rogers. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the Packers do. A lot of depth pieces. The only real contributor to the team right now, uh, outside of special teams, of course, is Mercedes Lewis. So we'll see how the Packers handle that sort of thing. But that is the case right now. Let's talk a little bit about Packers and Browns. 24-22, Green Bay wins, kind of let their foot off the gas. The game kind of resembles basically every game for the last month. Defense kind of gets punked early. Offense can't find its footing early, and then they do and kind of nuke the opposing team and hang on late. They were able to do that again. Uh, to start that game, it's it's hard to talk about anything else. Aaron Rodgers, uh, congratulations uh, to Aaron Rodgers for setting the franchise record for touchdown passes as a Green Bay Packer. He now sits at 445 and counting, and I believe he will be counting for the foreseeable future as well. But more on that when the offseason hits. Uh, it was a, like he mentioned, a double stick concept. Alan Lazard is the answer to your trivia question, so keep that in the back of your mind for years from now when you're competing for a million-dollar prize. Uh, or on Jeopardy or, or something like that. But congratulations to Alan Lazard, a really cool story. Kind of only got into the lineup a couple of years ago because of Rodgers' recommendation. And now he's become a really big contributor, a significant contributor uh, on a team that is competing for another Super Bowl championship. So that was cool. It was very cool to be in the stadium uh, for that moment. Uh, I was actually right in front of me that it happened. So that was pretty cool too. Uh, the video from Favre where he congratulates Rodgers and then says he has one request to go get us another Super Bowl. I echo number four sentiments by that, Aaron Rodgers. Please go get us another Super Bowl. And then once that was over, the game kind of just resembled a normal football game, oddly enough. I will I will give credit to the fans. There was definitely some juice in the stadium before the game started. I think they had the anticipation of the Rodgers franchise record. I also think that it was a juiced up place because of it being on Christmas day, a holiday, a big deal to have people there, but the fans were loud. Matt LaFleur noted as much, even when they were on defense, uh, the MVP chance for Aaron Rodgers were big after the game, obviously a big game as well from Devonte Adams. I still don't entirely understand what Cleveland was thinking in terms of some of their coverage packages, but God bless them. They want to leave Devonte Adams on an Island, more power to them. Uh, credit to Yosh Nyman who kept miles Garrett off the stat sheet, which that is no small feat. Yosh Nyman has now played against every single person in the top five for sacks this season and largely held them silent uh, for the most part. Again, a few plays here or there, but that's to be expected. He's their third string left tackle. If the Packers are to win a championship this year, Nyman's not going to be on the front page, but he is going to be one of the first stories, I believe, below the fold if you guys are looking for a newspaper type of an article for that. So he's been phenomenal especially all things considered, you know, when Nyman played, I remember when Jenkins was, was knocked out of the San Francisco game, I picked the 49ers to win that game. And largely because we had no idea what the hell Yosh Nyman was. And let's not pretend he's David Bakhtiari because he isn't that Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in football when he's healthy and rolling, but Nyman's been very good. And you can now even sit and say like, do the Packers have three starting caliber left tackles on their roster when everyone's healthy? And I think they do. David Bakhtiari, obviously Elton Jenkins, we've seen. And now Yosh Nyman. I mean, have you seen some of the left tackles around the league? Yosh Nyman could absolutely start for, for one of those teams. And I think he could even start for a few of the playoff teams that have some guys going into the postseason here. But as we sit here right now, Green Bay wins 24 to 22 and 
I think that, you know, obviously you guys know they are the number one seed in the NFC as things sit now. If they win on Sunday against Minnesota and Dallas loses to Arizona, the one seed will be locked up. I don't anticipate that happening because I don't anticipate the Cardinals winning. But if that does happen, they do. Playoff schedule right now is the Packers are the one seed. Rams, Bucks, Cowboys are two through four as we sit right now with the Cardinals, 49ers, and Philadelphia Eagles sitting at five through seven as your wild card teams. And I think this year, if nothing else, is proving that the NFL was just fine having six playoff teams. There was no need to add a seventh. The Bears last year were the seven seed. They were terrible. The Eagles are going to get into the playoffs this year as things sit right now, and they are pretty mediocre. Um, so, and the Niners honestly are relatively mediocre as well for everybody, myself included fell into the trap of, oh man, the 49ers are scary. They're not Jimmy G is hurt. They're going to be playing a rookie Trey Lance making his first starts in a playoff race is not something. And Kyle Shanahan's a choke artist. That's, <laughs> that's just what it is. They led 10, nothing on Thursday night on the road against Tennessee, Unable to close that out. Jimmy G throws a couple picks and the Titans offense is nothing to speak of, especially true without Derrick Henry. And they were unable to make stops uh, as the game come through, came down to the wire there. And the 49er defense is the supposed to be the alleged strength of their team. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, you know, all the guys by this point that they have there and they weren't able to do it. And I am of the belief that if the Niners are to lose and miss the playoffs, and I don't think that's going to happen because they play Houston this week and Houston's not good. And then next week they play the Rams. They've played the Rams tough in the past. They beat the Rams earlier this year, actually at home. But if the Niners miss the playoffs, there is a legitimate case to be made that Kyle Shanahan should be fired. Now, again, I don't think that's going to happen because I do think the Niners will make the playoffs. But for this alleged genius, that's a wizard at calling plays and one of the best young coaches in the end, all those accolades that are thrown his way. Kyle Shanahan's legacy, if he retires tomorrow, or if the world ends, as Kyle Shanahan liked to say that one time, his legacy is choking away two Super Bowls. That's his legacy. But this isn't a 49er show. That's not why you guys are here. You're not here to listen through to that. One other big thing that you can talk about for this weekend as the Packers get ready to take on the Vikings is that if Green Bay wins, the Vikings are going to be knocked out of playoff contention, which is going to be... Uh, obviously something that you want. I think that the Packers have a lot of motivation for this game. Obviously the Vikings have, um, have beaten them this season and in a game that Green Bay probably should have won, but they didn't. And Minnesota has found ways to lose more of those games than they found ways to win. This game's at Lambeau. The Packers are a six point favorite. That sounds about right to me. Uh, I don't know if Green Bay is going to cover, but I do anticipate as much as everybody's going to talk about Justin Jefferson and taking over and wrecking the game and all that sort of stuff. He did that last time and they won by three. So wide receivers just, they don't win games like that. You know, this game, this is a game that is still very simple to me, quarterback and on the line of scrimmage and the Packers are better at quarterback. And I think they're better at least on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage against Minnesota. The offensive side of the line of scrimmage is tougher because Minnesota's front is not that intimidating, especially without Daniil Hunter. But Green Bay is playing a lot of inexperienced players on the defensive line, and Zimmer is still as good as it gets at scheming things up, getting those blitzes home to the quarterback, and that's something the Packers have struggled with. So I think that you'll have to keep an eye on that. But I think the Packers, are they're better in the spots that matter. They're better in the secondary too, and I'll get to that here in a little bit 
as well. But I think Green Bay, Packer fans are going to be worried about everything. I understand that. But Green Bay is just a better team. And they were the they were the better team the last time these two teams played. I don't know if they were the better team that day, but they're turning around and catching two cousins interceptions away from winning that game by two scores. They didn't credit to the Vikings for taking the breaks, all that stuff that they got, but that's just the way that it was. So that's my thought on that to get my prediction here at the beginning of the show, since this is a mailbag show and I do want to spend most of my time on your guys' questions. I think green Bay wins. I like it 27, 24. It's going to be frigid on Sunday night. I think that plays into green Bay's hands even though Minnesota is a running team. And I know we're going to talk about the run defense here in a little while with one of the questions I have, but I just think green Bay's got the better players in the right spots. And I do think that they are a better run defense than the one that we saw on Saturday on Christmas day against Nick Chubb and company. So that's my thoughts. That's the news, everything like that. Let's get to your guys's questions and thank you for sending those to me. I'll do this more often, especially during the off season as we're starved for content. And hopefully this off season is a little quieter than last offseason was. So let me start with my friend Monty Moore, and you can find him on four downs with the great Aaron Alice uh, on Saturdays here on Game on Wisconsin at third underscore Turgeson, which is still one of my favorite Twitter handles in the business here. Monty, credit for that. For those of you that don't watch old Saturday Night Live clips, Google Turd Ferguson, and uh, you'll find where that comes from. But he said, what do you need to see Green Bay do against Minnesota this weekend that will give you a good gauge of how this team will fare against the NFC playoff field. And we talked about this a lot, and that's what this team needs to be gauged by, right? Winning the NFC North was the minimum. We expected that. Competing for the top seed in the NFC was honestly a minimum. And we we know that this team is going to be judged by what they do in the playoffs, potentially the NFC title game and the Super Bowl, we all hope. What I need to see The offense can score against anybody. I know that. I think we all know that. They have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP of the league. And if he's not, then the voters are voting for non-football reasons. And I'm not going to get into all that, but that would be the reason that Aaron Rodgers does not get the MVP award this year. Because on the field, there's no question. You guys have seen those graphs that I think a lot of people share and don't really know how to read or what information they're sharing, but Rogers is far and away the most efficient quarterback in the NFL this year. Doesn't turn the ball over, throws a lot of touchdowns. The team has won a lot of games. He fits every criteria for the MVP that exists. So if he doesn't win, it's for non football reasons. Again, like I just mentioned, the NFC playoff field, however, is a different story because we've seen this movie before when the Packers are the Aaron Rodgers show and reliance upon Aaron Rodgers to go out and score 30 and hopefully we can make a couple plays on defense and that's enough. And that hasn't been enough for 10 years. And for all the talk, and I know Rodgers, like everybody thinks about the game that Rodgers went supernova against Atlanta, maybe the best quarterback performance I've ever seen from start to finish. And the Super Bowl when he was MVP, and if not for a drop here or there, would have set the record, like just it would have been an absurd game for Rodgers had his receivers held on the ball a little more, but that title, two of those four games, the offense scored 21 against Philadelphia and 14 against Chicago and got seven on a pick six from BJ Raji. The Packers defense cannot be, well, hopefully they get a couple turnovers and turn the tide that way. 
the Ravens and Browns in their last two games. Their last two games have been against the Ravens and the Browns. Ravens with Tyler Huntley, so no Lamar Jackson. And the Browns with Baker Mayfield, who frankly is struggling and is also injured and was coming off of COVID. Both teams punted once. Once. You cannot get by in the playoffs by hoping the other two, because Tom Brady doesn't turn the ball over in the playoffs. I know, I know you're saying he threw three interceptions in last year's NFC, but he just normally doesn't. Dak Prescott, same thing. Matthew Stafford might, but are you, do you want to bank on that? I wouldn't. I, you can't be a team that banks on turnovers in the postseason because usually you're playing against the better quarterbacks and the better offenses that just aren't going to turn the ball over. So what do I need to see, Monty? I need to see them be able to, I'm not saying control the game. They don't need to hold the Vikings to 17 points and just dominate the game because I defense in the NFL, Ben Fennell talks about this a lot. And Ben Fennell, when it comes to football minds is one of the smartest people that I know. And I try and listen anytime he has something to say. Defense is hard in the NFL. Every rule ever is slanted toward the offense. That makes it difficult to be a dominant defense, quote unquote, and win a Super Bowl. And you saw that two years ago. The 49ers were a dominant defense, and they still couldn't hold down Patrick Mahomes and Ty Hill and Travis Kelsey and that offense in Kansas City for four quarters. They couldn't. So it is hard. But the Packers need to play much better than the way that they have the last couple of weeks to win a championship. Because we've seen right now, with the last two games especially, even Sunday's game, honestly, or Saturday's game was very 2011 y. And by that, I mean they didn't score at the rate of the 2011 team, but they had to rely on interceptions and sacks to get the Brown. Like the one punt that they forced was because they got back to back sacks to make it fourth and 27 or whatever the hell it was before the Browns actually, they were going to go for it and then decided to punt after a phantom false start penalty. So you can't rely on that because the Cowboys have a very good offensive line. The Bucks have a very good offensive line. The Rams have a good offensive line. That's just not something you're going to be able to rely on in a postseason game, NFC championship type game, or even the Super Bowl when you're playing against Kansas City, who I anticipate is going to win the AFC. Or even some of the other teams, Buffalo, you know, whomever, it doesn't matter. So I need to see them be able to control the game a little bit and not be so reliant on, well, good thing the opposing quarterback screwed up because it was a phenomenal. And I have to, I have to do this for accountability purposes. I love Baker Mayfield. I do. I said on this show last week with Jeff Lloyd, I think that of locked on Browns, I think he has the attitude and the moxie and the confidence level that you need to be a starting level quarterback in the NFL. He was terrible on Sunday. That is the worst game I've seen played against the Packers this year from a quarterback standpoint, and that includes a game where Russell Wilson didn't score any points. Four picks, very easily could have been six or seven. Eric Stokes dropped two, one on a two-point conversion, one on a deep over route, and Devondre Campbell could have gotten his hands on one. That's seven turnover-worthy throws, and that's just off of memory. And it wasn't like the interceptions they got were on plays that, Green Bay just made a play on like Rasul Douglas, maybe 
but otherwise like the one to uh chan and sullivan that was a bad throw by mayfield the throw to savage was a play where mayfield decided where he was going beforehand and the rasul douglas pick on a slant route was just it was a contested ball into coverage maybe you can give him that one as well but the other three that i just mentioned were also in harm's way and for no reason and you're not going to be able to rely on that so baker mayfield not set in stone to be the Browns quarterback of the future. I think they'll use next year to evaluate and they should because like they're, I think he who must not be named at Fox sports one that does a radio show said that they should like try and get Jimmy G or Derek Carr. And it's like, those dudes are just cut from the same cloth. It's the same guy. So there's no point to me in trying to move on from the guy you've drafted and you know, and everything like that, just to get the same dude from a different uniform. But that's our first question. So thank you, Monty, for that. The next question, which comes with some patented sarcasm, I believe, from Cody Bauer, says, how do we get the Vikings offense to abandon the run game and force the pass like the Browns did? I have visions of Cook and Madison running wild. Now, let me start. It's up in the air if Dalvin Cook is going to play. Now, I know the protocols and stuff like I just mentioned are changing, uh, but right now I am going to assume that those 10 days, because I believe his 10th day was Sunday, which means he would not be eligible to play until Monday as an unvaccinated player. But we don't know. He might be back by then. Who knows? I don't think the Packers' run defense is is as bad as it was on Saturday. Nick Chubb is a horrible matchup for the Packers. They did not tackle well. And I was talking about this with Mike Kawano, who you can find on first four every Monday here on game on Wisconsin that the Packers their run or their defensive linemen are Kenny Clark and a bunch of plotters. That's no disrespect to them. That's just what they are. And that wide zone stretch zone type stuff that Cleveland was trying to run with Nick Chubb, who by the way, for that scheme might be the best runner in the NFL. When you combine that scheme and his ability to break tackles and do stuff like that. I think that's a bad matchup for the Packers. Now, I'm not saying Dalvin Cook is a good one, but it's a slightly better matchup just because he's a little easier to tackle. than. And the Packers did a good job the first time around these two teams played against Dalvin Cook and company. Um, you know, they had uh, a big game from Justin Jefferson, which certainly didn't help the Packers cause. Uh, and a big game from the Vikings passing game kind of in general that, that the Packers, they just weren't able to slow them down enough. But... Dalvin Cook, 22 carries for 86 yards. That's 3.9 yards per carry. You take that every single day and twice on Sundays, no pun intended. If they can slow them down enough like that and just not let Justin Jefferson wreck the game, then I think they're in really good shape. Uh, the other thing is that the way to get that to stop is very similar to the game plan that they had a few years ago when Adrian Peterson was running in the backfield for the Vikings. And that is to score early and start fast because that can cause the opposing team to be impatient. Now they haven't done that this year, but I think that's the way to do that. Our next question from our guy Lambo Labo, also known as Ben, that's his real name. Says, do you think that green Bay gets Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander back soon? Well, Jair Alexander's 21-day window is up today. I do anticipate the Packers activating him. That does not mean that he is going to play. I would like to think that he's going to play a little bit in the season finale against Detroit, if not this weekend 
against Minnesota. Matt LaFleur has given the patented say a lot while saying nothing type of answers on pretty much everybody except for Zadaria Smith. He pretty much has ignored any question when it comes to Z. And that's where I believe Zadaria Smith has played his last down as a Green Bay Packer. The Packers haven't activated him. They haven't talked about activating him. That whole situation has been weird all year. I just, at this point in the year, like I, I've said it a million times, you know, you can't, I've never heard of a guy who used to have back injuries and that back injury has kept Zedarius out since the first week of the season after the first week of the season. So we're going on three months now and he hasn't practiced. He's been sporadically around the team. Like I know he was there for the, for the Seattle game a few weeks ago. He was there for the Rams game a few weeks ago. I didn't see him on Sunday or Saturday. doesn't mean he wasn't there, but I didn't see him. We haven't heard about him being near the practice field or anything like that. It's it's just uh, it's been a weird year, and I don't think Z is going to be back next year. And that that has a lot uh, to do with their their cap situation, their salary situation. And I also think that you know at some point they knew they were just going to have to move on from maybe one or both of the Smith brothers and and give the keys of that edge room to Rashawn Gary. Now, that being said. I am a proponent of bringing back just, or Preston Smith next season if you can, because he's been very good, first of all. Second of all, I don't think you want to go into the offseason with your edge group being Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, and Tippa Nalia, which I'll get to here in just a minute. But I can't see Zadarius Smith making it back this season, and I can't see him being in Green Bay next season, considering all the other stuff that they're going to have to do to keep certain guys around. Uh, next question is from pack number two, the future. So not to be confused with pack to the future of the podcast, but pack number two, the future says top three needs for the Packers going into the off season. And this is under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams come back, which I do think is going to happen. Um, I know Aaron Rodgers spoke today on the McAfee show, said a lot of things. I just think Rodgers is a smart guy when it comes to the football side of things. And he just is going to realize that, his best situation is in Green Bay. I think he wanted to leverage who he is and his contract situation and all that stuff to change some things. I think those things have changed based on what we've seen. Rasul Douglas, Randall Cobb, you'll see all the others. And Adams, I just think the Packers have said a million times, this guy's important to our team. And when is the last time Green Bay ever has entered a negotiation with one of their own and not gotten him to come back? And by that, I mean a guy they drafted, have developed, given a contract, all that stuff. So if somebody says Jared Cook, that doesn't fit the criteria here uh, for the Packers. So I think those two guys are back. So when you think of it that way, I think that your first big need is on the edge uh, because Preston Smith may or may not be back. I just mentioned I don't think Sedarius Smith is back. And this is a very good edge class for those of you that have looked ahead. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson came on Thibodeau, obviously at the top, George Kalarftis, David Ajabo. There's a lot of guys that Green Bay could have a potential chance at in the latter half of the first round where we assume they'll be picking. And that's a big assumption, right? Because if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, then they're going to be picking towards the top half of the first round, you would imagine. And, and that changes a lot of things. But I think they need some guys at edge. And I think that that's going to be a, a big focal point uh, for the Packers as we get into this offseason. The next is on the defensive line. Dean Lowry may or may not be around next year. Kingsley Kiki has been inconsistent. He was a healthy scratch on Sunday or Saturday. I keep doing that. I'm not sure what is going on there, uh, but I would like to see them make a significant investment into helping somebody 
or getting some help next to, to Kenny Clark. And my third is wide receiver. And that is whether Adams comes back or not, because the only receiver under contract that's likely to be here in 2022, other than Adams is uh, Amari Rogers, who has shown nothing. I don't think you can say you've seen anything from Amari Rogers that gives you confidence. Now, if Aaron Rodgers is back in 2022, I also think that they'll figure out a way to keep Randall Cobb and maybe uh, Alan Lazard on a cheaper type of deal thing as well to try and keep those guys around. But they'll still need some speed. They'll still need some playmaking. And I think that's something this team could still use now. I'm not doing the whole they should have picked a receiver thing, but it certainly could be something they look at. So edge, defensive line, uh, and receiver. I also think they have needs on the offensive line. Uh, you mentioned – you know, I know I mentioned some of the tackle depth, but you just don't know what that's going to look like. Linebacker, I don't think Devontae Campbell is going to be back next season. He'll have priced himself out of Green Bay based on his performance this season. Safety, whether it's the third guy like Henry Black is right now or potentially a replacement for Darnell Savage because Savage has been brutal, for lack of a better term, here in the month of December. I know he had the interception on Saturday, but it hasn't been a good go for Darnell Savage. Now that can change. Mike Kawano likes to point out he's always compared to Nick Collins and Collins's breakout season was in his fourth year. So maybe that'll be the case for Savage, but even still, and maybe Adrian Amos isn't long for green Bay either. We don't know. You know, that's the beautiful mystery as some might say. So those are my needs, but we'll get to that. You know, the Packers are chasing the super bowl, but I thought a little off season conversation might be okay as well. Next question comes from Matt Trombone, and he says the Packers-Bears rivalry is fun. Well, first of all, the Packers and Bears are not a rivalry because it's not a rivalry if the other team does not win, as you might have heard in the intro. But I get what you're saying. And the Packers and Vikings rivalry is not. And is it fixable? And if so, what would have to happen to make it better? I disagree that the rivalry is not fun. It just kind of depends on who your friends are. I'm friends with Eric Thompson of the Daily Norseman. He and I have a lot of fun together. Ivan Carter, who is supposed to be on this show tonight, but Twitter has suspended him for reasons I'm not 100% sure of, so I couldn't get in touch with him. I have a lot of fun with those guys. Um, you know, I know people have pointed out that the Vikings have the, the top five plays or whatever in franchise history, and one of them was injuring Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Yeah, that's stupid. I know the fans were cheering when that happened. I, I just don't think that's unique to the Vikings fan base. As unfortunate as that is to say, I just think that a lot of teams will see a lot of fans or meatball fans or the loud, you know, whatever, noted loud people are going to say, oh, this guy's hurt. That helps my team. Yay. And I know that's bad and I'm not one of those guys, but I do think that every fan base certainly has a faction like that, but I have fun with the Packers and the Vikings. It's just a little different because it's not the bears. And I think maybe it's less fun because they've beaten the Packers more recently. Whereas the bears, it's like they chirp a lot and then green Bay wins and they go back into hiding and talking about how the Packers only get helps from the officials and, and all that stuff, which the Vikings do that too, I suppose. But I think it's fun. I have fun with those guys, but maybe I just don't have that many friends or people that I see that are Vikings fans. That's, that's certainly possible as well, uh, but I don't know. Um, you know, as far as what to fix it, I guess my question is what would be my question back to you would be, what are your, what are your problems with it? Why isn't it fun to you? Uh, and only you can answer that question. My last question of the night comes from M M M B O R C K. And I'm sorry, buddy, but I'm not going to try and pronounce whatever the hell it is you're trying to say there. <laughs> 
He says, how do you think the rise of Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes and Runyon, Newman, and Yosh Nyman compared to the injuries to Jair and Elton Jenkins will affect who gets extended and who doesn't? Uh, the answer to that question is they will not. Rasul Douglas has been a godsend to this team. But how many times have you seen a player like that come in, have a huge year, get a big contract off of it, and then not have the same magic a year later? That's certainly possible with Rasul Douglas. Now, that being said, I think the Packers should be trying to figure out, is there a way you could get him a, a three-year, $9 million type of extension or something like that to keep him in the fold? Eric Stokes, obviously, was a first-round pick. They picked him knowing that they wanted to pair him with Jair Alexander for the foreseeable future. And I do know, and it's been reported, that Alexander's agent had been spotted in Green Bay a couple of times before the injury. So I think Alexander's cornerstone piece. And with all due respect to Rasul Douglas and rookie Eric Stokes, we have no idea if Eric Stokes is a cornerstone piece. And I think you can pretty confidently say that Rasul Douglas, while he's having a good year, is not that. Alexander is top two corner in the NFL with Jalen Ramsey. So that means there's 300 guys that aren't as good as him. Alexander is getting a deal. And the same is true for Elton Jenkins. Uh, assuming he comes back from his knee injury, which we've saw. I mean, he got injured on November 21st, a little earlier than Bakhtiari's last year, but I do anticipate as of right now, he'll start next season on the physically unable to perform list. And we'll kind of go through this song and dance with when is he going to be back type of thing. But Jenkins, Albert Breer had some notes like he does at the beginning of the year for every team during training camp and basically said, that the Packers think he might be the best offensive lineman in football. Now that doesn't mean at his position, that means offensive lineman, the entire position, left tackle all the way over to right tackle. They're going to pay him as well. And for everybody that says, well, what does that mean for Aaron Rodgers? I remind you the Packers this off season, February, March, April, while this whole saga was going on and it did happen. Don't let anybody tell you that was fake news. It did happen. Aaron Rodgers told you himself those things happened. They offered him an extension that was market setting. So that means above what at the time was Patrick Mahomes as the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. They did that knowing they had to pay Jair Alexander and Elton Jenkins and other guys, Rashawn Gary, maybe Darnell Savage, you know, just other players. They knew all that. So they have a plan. And I think that what sometimes gets lost in this analysis, and we have a ton of content here, Game On Wisconsin and otherwise, but what gets lost is we do not have all the answers. Unless your name is Russ Ball, you do not know what the Packers can do with their salary cap. And I saw a lot of people last year diving in on, well, they, you know, they better win this year because they're not going to have Corey Lindsley and Preston Smith and Aaron Jones and some of these other guys on the team. And not only did they bring all of those guys back, except for Corey Lindsley, they added Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas, albeit on some smaller contracts. And were able to restructure Aaron Rodgers' contract and do all that stuff. And they're going to be able to sign the guys they want. Unless your name is Russ Ball, you do not know how the salary cap is going to shake out. But what you do know is the Packers' actions. And their actions... State, they want to keep Aaron Rodgers and they want to keep Devontae Adams 
and Elton Jenkins and Jair Alexander and Rashawn Gary, among others. And we'll see how those other things shake out as this year comes to a close. But thank you to all you guys for our questions uh, that you had tonight here. My winner uh, for best question of the night is actually going to go to Mr. M-M-M-B-O-R-C-K. Uh, so feel free if you're listening to this show. And in order to win the free shirt, like I mentioned, you must be listening to claim your prize. Send me a direct message with your shipping address, and I will send you a shirt of your choice from our store, which you can find in our bio at Game on WI on Twitter. And a shout out to Dakota Mitchell for putting all that stuff together. It's been a lot of fun being able to see you guys wear some of our merch and see it kind of all over the world. It's been it's been a lot of fun and, and really humbling to, to see that sort of stuff. But I am out of time for this episode. Be sure to check us out uh, at Game on WI on Twitter, Game on Wisconsin, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, our tech ventures, like I mentioned. Discover Green Bay. If you're going up to the game this weekend, it's a potentially a long weekend with the new year, stop by the Visitor Center. They have plenty of stuff that they could show you that's not just the Packers. So stop by through there to ask my friend, ask for my friend Nick Meisner, and he'll be able to help you guys out there. Lakefront Brewery and the Wilderness Resort, where a congratulations to Brandon Snide, who will be getting married there in April, as uh, his fiance said yes to him on Christmas Day for reasons we don't completely understand because she's much prettier than he is. But in all seriousness, congratulations to Brandon. Check those guys out there on a chance to stay. But until then, uh, this is the Pick 6 Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. It's Wednesday, so we got a doubleheader for you tonight. Lombardi's Bar and Open Book will be here. Cut the BS with Brandon will be tomorrow. Quick slants on Thursday. We've got final dump on Friday and Saturday. Four downs before Sunday. The big showdown, Green Bay against Minnesota at home on Sunday Night Football. So we will all be waiting all day for Sunday night and hopefully having a chance to clinch that number one seed throughout the NFC playoffs. But we'll see you guys next week. I will be back with Todd Varney from Lombardi's Bar, proving the Packers season finale, regular season finale. Thanks for listening, and go Pack Go.